Well, our next presenter is Deborah Rivera, and Deborah is going to talk to us about the I-95 Express Lane project that we currently have in Miami. Uh, and she's going to touch upon various aspects of the managed lane concepts, such as uh, public-private partnership, highway design, incident management. Um, Deborah has been with DOT for over 20 years in various positions and right-of-way planning, traffic operation, and maintenance. And she received her bachelor degree from in civil engineering from University of Florida. Good for you. And MBA also from University of Florida. Now, I want to take this opportunity because I thought that that shirt that Doug showed you was the wrong color. <laughs> but uh, I think Doug finally woke up, getting enlightened, and sent his son to the University of Florida. So that's a good thing. Um, Currently, I mean, Deborah is also our district traffic operation engineer for the Miami district, District 6, and she's also responsible for all the aspects of traffic operations, such as running the transportation management center, uh, incident management, signal signings, in addition to her job last year as project leader for the I-95 Express. So that's quite a bit on her shoulder right now, uh, but we're glad to have her here. And please join me in welcome Deborah Rivera. There we go. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for um, getting up early and, and joining this group. I think the timing. Um, worked out well, and I think the order of presentations will be will be good. Um, I'm here to talk to you about the Urban Partnership Agreement, a project that South Florida entered into in partnership with a number of other transportation agencies, where we are combining capacity improvements, a hot conversion, bus rapid transit, and value or congestion pricing. Basically, um, these are our problems. South Florida is among the worst areas in the nation in terms of congestion, and it's not getting any better. One of the most critical things is um, the reduction in trip reliability. One day a trip might take 30 minutes, the next day might take 60, and that is really one of the biggest problems and challenges that commuters face. We expect to see our population increasing, and um, by 2030, we're expecting volumes on I-95 to approach 360,000. That's a really big number. Um, traditional projects have focused primarily on supply, and we're looking at this project as a travel demand project that's really looking at approaching the problem in a slightly different way, and in a fashion, quite frankly, that a lot of our projects haven't really addressed explicitly. Um, and so our solution was the Miami Urban Partnership Agreement, where we got $62.9 million from the federal government, uh, approximately uh, 43 of which were highway funds, uh, almost 20 in uh, transit funds. That was supplemented by $35 million from the Florida legislature, and we're combining technology, transit, and tolling in this project. As I mentioned before, it's a travel demand project, multimodal, 
So in addition to adding capacity and including congestion price express lanes, we're also including a transit element. The transit element, quite frankly, was one of the most important elements when it came time to selling the project to our uh, partners, particularly the Metropolitan Planning Organizations. We'll also be removing a bottleneck and then continuing with our ongoing operating strategies, 511, Road Ranger, and the like. We'll also be implementing uh, ramp metering along with the project. Um, important to note the, the level of partnership and collaboration. In addition to two MPOs and two transit agencies, we also have South Florida Commuter Services who will be assisting us with carpool registration, um, the Miami-Dade Expressway Authority, and we have three districts of the Florida Department of Transportation working together um, very closely and very collaboratively doing things on this project that we haven't done before. So it's a really exciting project. Um, talk a little bit about express lanes. I really don't want to go into a lot of detail here. Many of you are probably familiar with the concept, but basically using these express lanes to manage demand through tolling, uh, we are planning to optimize traffic as opposed to optimize revenue. And these, these lanes will offer a reliable choice to, to commuters and essentially a value proposition for folks to make. Um, they are used in other places around the country and are being studied extensively for continued and further application. The project scope, it's basically a project that crosses two district jurisdictions and two county lines, 21 miles in length when finally completed. Uh, intended for long distance trips, the corridor does experience a heavy regional demand and it will connect several important regional transportation facilities. These expressways along with both Miami International Airport and Fort Lauderdale Airport we're including carpool registration, and my understanding is it's probably one of the first projects in the country that's actually doing that. So we're kind of going back to the roots, if you will, of carpooling. And we'll be using dynamically set tolls along with our bus rapid transit element. So we're essentially providing a virtual BRT on the facility. The design of the project is within the existing footprint to take 12-foot lanes and an existing inside shoulder of approximately 14 feet, pinch things up a bit, and we're going to get an additional lane in each direction. So one HOV lane will become two express lanes in each direction. There will be no tolls on the general use or local lanes, no property acquisition, so the impact to the community is minimal and relatively speaking, overall project costs are lower than they would be otherwise with a traditional project. Um, there were some design changes from when we introduced the project originally, and these changes essentially resulted in a further restriction of access, um, again, to ensure that the facility operated properly. We eliminated a midpoint access and changed one of the full uh, openings into either egress or ingress only and it resulted in some minor changes to the contract documents after having received bids. The midpoint access was completely eliminated, leading to some complications, specifically the fact that a large portion of the traffic coming from the beach is going to have its access restricted to only one of the uh, connectors to the beach. But this was done because we found a number of safety and operational concerns that uh, resulted and essentially, it was also uh, requiring higher tolls to properly manage the facility. Decision was 
again, by this partnership, uh, including uh, our support from FHWA to eliminate the midpoint. However, the elimination of this midpoint was entirely consistent with the overall project objectives and needs given the regional nature of trips along the corridor. Um, if you start your trip at north of the Golden Glades Interchange, which is approximately the county line, chances are half the time that trip is going to take you at least eight miles down to State Road 836 or I-395 and points further south. And while the elimination of the midpoint was uh, problematic and challenging, the demand from the downtown CBD area was estimated to be well over three times the demand from the beach. Again, the decision was entirely consistent with the overall project objective. Bus rapid transit, really important element of this project, really made the project vastly more attractive to a, a number of folks. And that was the uh, elimination of the existing county line transfer. Day County buses will be moving into Broward County and vice versa, eliminating the need for a transfer currently made at approximately the county line. We'll also be expanding and extending our transit service considerably, uh, providing signal preemption at a number of key intersections in Broward County and a number of station improvements. So not only are we making the trip for existing transit users much more attractive, but we anticipate drawing uh, some of the traditional car users into a transit mode. We'll be eliminating a major bottleneck on the interstate. Uh, north is facing up. That's the State Road 112 interchange. You can see how the facility is constrained. North of the bottleneck, there are four general use lanes and one HOV lane in each direction. Uh, the HOV lanes drop essentially right at the bottleneck, and south of there we only have three GP lanes. So you can see there's a real constriction, which will be resolved with um, phase 1B of the project. Um, and this is the way we've uh, phased the implementation. Notice to proceed was issued January of this year. Phase 1A is the northbound portion, which takes us from roughly downtown Miami up to approximately the county line. Phase 1B will resolve the bottleneck and also carry the project in the southbound direction, the same limits. You can see our scheduled uh, completion dates there. And phase two is the Broward County portion of the project. How they'll work. It's pretty straightforward, tolls for paying customers. We have a whole series of uh, toll-free customers, including registered carpoolers. Um, hybrids and motorcycles are a, a holdover, if you will, from the HOV policy that we had in place. Clearly, this is something that will um, have to be reevaluated by the legislature as these vehicles begin to uh, take up more of the uh, newly freed up capacity. Um, there will be heavy FHP presence, and um, motorists will be advised of the toll that they're paying on the freeway. This is not like a State Road 91. <clears throat> excuse me, where you can look up online and see what toll you're paying that day. This is going to be based on real-time traffic demand. And so <clears throat> the information will provided, be provided to users as they use the facility. Project benefits, a, a lot of benefits that you could imagine, including travel time reduction. Really important, though, is trip reliability. We'll be managing this facility to ensure that they operate at between 45 and 50 miles an hour, even during peak periods, and this is done with the, with the tolling algorithms. 
no right-of-way impacts, very rapid delivery of much-needed uh, mobility improvement. NTP January, and we should be collecting tolls in the northbound direction by uh, end of the summer, August, September. Um, what I really wanted to talk about here were some of the other benefits that traditional widening don't provide. And by making better use of our existing infrastructure, some people have referred to this project as basically a big giant restriping job, a big traffic operations job. But by making better use of our existing infrastructure and by using real demand management techniques, we're encouraging ride sharing, providing incentives for transit use, and essentially reducing or eliminating the number of trips that the corridor needs to carry. And again, doing it all within the existing footprint. Now, the lanes did open to traffic. They opened to traffic on July 11th after we um, installed the delineators separating the express lanes from the general use lanes. And the response was not what we had hoped. Um, there was some driver confusion. There were some increases in, in crashes and quite a bit of negative publicity. Um, and so we had a response to that. And the response was implemented very quickly. There's a reason why we implement it quickly, and that's one of the things I hope that folks will take away from our experience. Um, but we implemented a number of physical improvements, including reducing the separation between delineators. Uh, they were originally set at 20 feet. Um, we've brought them back down to 10. Um, provided some improved visibility by at the access points, replacing white delineators with orange. All done, again, with the concurrence and consultation with FHWA. Um, we'll be improving our pavement markings and removing some signage that really didn't make sense to motorists, but that makes sense for the ultimate build-out. And because it's important to keep our message simple, strong, and concise, the decision was to delay ramp metering until we could get past um, the learning curve, if you will, of this facility. We also beefed up our public information. So in addition to some physical changes, we also did some changes with our outreach, and we included additional message boards. We improved our messaging so that we had much more consistent messaging. Uh, we also included highway advisory radio, old technology, and a lot of folks are phasing PAR out, but it really does have a great... Um, application for when you're changing operation of a facility like we are here. Billboards, PSAs, and a lot of press releases and information designed to help uh, drivers better understand how to use the facility. So our lessons learned here, and this is really what I figured most of you would be most interested in, um, do your operational analysis early in the process if you can. Um, identify those potential problems and then work with your stakeholders, finding solutions that are consistent with your project objectives. You need to anticipate your needs and your contract documents. I know that goes without saying, but sometimes it doesn't actually always happen. And so think through to opening day and consider um, what your contract documents need to include. Incentivize your most important goals. So if Getting the, the facility open fast is the most important thing, then incentivize that. We know how to do that. But if getting the facility open safely is also an important goal, find ways to incentivize that as well. Do more outreach. No matter how much you do, you haven't done enough, and do more. Um, specifically, emphasize on operational changes and not just construction. 
People want to know about lane closures, but more important for a project like this, the operational changes that you're putting into place. And plan your outreach so that it's consistent with milestones that are important to the public and not just the project. So if opening the lanes to traffic is not a project milestone, you got to know that it's important to the public. Plan your outreach consistent with that. And don't let the pace of your work outstrip your ability to communicate information to the public. In our case, we got delineators up in three days. The initial estimates from the contractor were three weeks. And frankly, they outstripped our ability to effectively communicate to the public. Um, more outreach, make sure your messages are strong, simple, and consistent. Develop a marketing and communication plan. Marketing is not enough. Use all of your ITS assets. Your signing and marketing plans should consider build-out and interim phases. Don't sign for elements that aren't there. We did do that with I-595 having been signed, something that we probably could have better anticipated. And I think one of the most important lessons learned is develop a risk management plan. Identify what your potential risks are on opening day and beyond, and then develop a plan to manage those risks. Assign ownership of risks. We identified 32, our top two risks, we were right on the money, were delineator spacing and signing and marking. And very important, include your contractor as a risk owner. Not easy to do, but you've got to figure out a way to include the contractor as an owner of those risks so that they are as motivated to minimize them as you are. And with that, I would welcome you to visit our website and look forward to being able to answer some of your questions at the end of the session. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah.